Welcome to episode four of the uh, Big Footy Freeo podcast. Uh, this week we've just hit the mid-season uh, bye and uh, we've got uh, Seppo back this week. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Welcome back. Good to be here in a bye week with uh, hopefully lots to talk about. Absolutely. And we've also got joining us for the first time this season is Paraclete. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good, mate. Good, good evening, Centurions and Seppo. Yeah, and Centurions here as well, just to uh, find, round out the side. Uh, we're going to have a, a bit of a look at the review of the Adelaide game uh, first up. Uh, great win last week with uh, Fremantle uh, 10 goals, 6.66, getting over the uh, Adelaide Crows, 8 goals, 11.59, and uh, finally getting rid of that uh, bit of a bogey side that we've had for the last uh, three games that was pretty highly talked about before the game. But uh, the boys uh, came out and showed you know tremendous uh, sort of uh, toughness, I thought, in the uh, conditions and uh, ended up pulling out the win, which was fantastic. Uh, any thoughts, Seppo? Well, I was pretty, pretty just chuffed really to get the win over, like you say, that hoodoo of, against Adelaide were three losses last year. So um, to get that win in Adelaide in those conditions, it was you, you knew the, the script of the game, how it was going to go with wet weather and we're going to grind out the win. I, I was very confident before the game. Um, my only concern was about late changes and how we go up front because we, we know our defence is rock solid and, it played out like like it does every week because we haven't been tinkering with the back. We haven't lost players. Um, it was just really, really good to see the um, consistency in our game plan and the way it's playing out. Um, I had the luxury of going down to a pub here and watching it with many others and were a bit confused with those decisions in the first half with Crowley and that little push in the back moment for the first two goals, but um, it all settled out and I was just really happy with the, the win and jumped on it, threw a couple of bucks on Frio head-to-head and got a nice return. I couldn't believe we uh, started so far out with the odds, but um, yeah, quite happy with that. So, and how about yourself? yourself apparently? Oh, look, I suppose not so much that one. I mean, it's great that we won, but it's pretty close. I suppose it could have gone either way, but so many games I've seen Freo play in Adelaide, particularly against the Crows over the years, and you go in thinking you can't win, and then you find out you're right. But uh, I think we probably <clears throat> had the best of the game, and uh, even if we hadn't won in the end, it just looked like a really good side playing at a tougher way venue against the, the Crows' much more vaunted 19th man as well. And I think it was really, um, really obvious, and I think it was also probably even obvious in the Derby uh, early this year as well. Just our bigger bodies in that midfield in the contest, like even though Jacob's got a lot of the hit outs and stuff like that, just our ability to stop their guys having a run through the middle. Obviously, Dangerfield's, you know, quite a big body, but a lot of their other guys like Van Burlo and uh, Douglas and those sort of guys are smaller bodies. And um, just our ability to not only wrap them up, but keep the tackles in and keep the ball locked in, I think is um, a real sort of uh, highlight of our season so far. And just that ability just to. Uh, and not only that, but also break our own tackles and get that handball out when we need to. It's a good point about the bigger bodies. It's been discussed a bit about the height of players and how we've gone um, on the forum this week. Just you know, looking at the height of those players, the fact that we you know, had Silvani in the game, whether pulled him out, and then even with our substitute, we pulled Hanath off and let Clark rack out the game to a pretty good, pretty good rate, actually, even though Jacob's got a lot of the hit-outs. But the way Clark managed to get up, get around the ground and compete... Mm. We're sort of relying off our bigger bodies in the midfield to compete, not only in the ruck. Like, you have a look at Barlow and the amount of hit-outs, third man up, see, he's gone up for. We're, we're sort of competing with that height. You know, we've got five that plays a foot above his actual height and 
just the bigger bodies all around, it seems to be working without the likes of Pav and Sanderlands and a game plan that we thought we relied on the last few years. It's just working brilliantly with the personnel we've got in the midfield. I was particularly impressed with Clark, actually. I mean, when you consider Hammoth rucked half a game, uh, sorry, rucked at the same time as Clark for half a game, and what got one touch and, and how many hit-ups did he get? One, two, three? So Clark's done pretty well to get 30 versus 50 hit-outs, and I reckon he gave, uh, gave Jackers a bit of bath around the ground, particularly in the first half. He was quite instrumental in linking up. And I think that's another thing as well with Clark and even in the hit-outs, and I think it's one thing obviously I reckon Stone and Lyon have worked on is in the previous years you used to see our guys when they get the ball, they'd try and get the handball out at the wrong time and they'd have the, the opposition players would just sit at the edge of the contest to get the ball and dash off, where now we sort of have a much better understanding about when to keep it in and when to try and get that extra hand out, particularly when we're on our feet, where before we used to be on the ground and they'd try and get the ball out and they'd get it out and it, we'd actually have the... Um, sort of disadvantage at the numbers around the outside of the contest and that you could see constantly the ball would be sort of run run the other way where now I think we're much more attuned at keeping the ball locked in and even if we go back to a 50-50 clearance, it certainly um, looks more evident this year that they're um, working much better and I think maybe even Brett Kirk may have something to do with that as well. I think it's spot on. I, I think all of the weak teams at clearances are trying to shovel it out the back and they just get scooped up, whereas our guys will be right there. <clears throat> They're happy to keep the contest going until they get that release to someone sideways on the move. That Kirk influence must really be uh, taking effect now because our work around a stoppage and a bit more composure. You know, it's you know you might have taught the guys how to you know bend space time continuum and just have that extra couple of seconds. And we seem to you know, get the plus one to the contest and really sort of have a bit of composure when we're getting the ball out. They're making that extra choice and just taking that extra second to you know pick that perfect handball, that delivery out, not just bomb it away or just go to the 50-50 contest. So massive improvement. And Jeez, I think it's a monster, isn't he? Sorry. Go ahead, Paraclete. That's just a fight. is unbelievable. Uh, at his age, usually, I mean, there are plenty of good players who are top line at that age, but for someone who's playing inside the way he does, it's just astonishing. Was he 21, 22? So. And I think the other thing as well, we um, you can certainly uh, notice is our ability to adapt to the conditions a little bit more. Like a, Johnson had a couple of brain fades in the second quarter there where he was trying to do those short 15-metre kicks. But on the whole, we certainly have adapted much better to conditions than we have in the past. We continually play the same style where you can see now they've sort of adapted when it is a um, wet day or something like that. They'll just certainly kick it longer and just play that wet weather footy, which we didn't uh, always get in the past. Yeah. Did you notice the, uh, the, the even the positioning of the players might have been a coaching thing, but Fife in that last quarter where he just sat behind the drop of the ball and mopped up everything that was coming out from Adelaide rebounding. It was just great to see him back to his best and just grabbing everything in the air. And we just knew where to be. It's like we're reading ahead of the play and just um, putting in a game plan that just, you know, we can, we can lock it in. We can switch it forward. It's, it's just really good to see the guys know the game plan now. Also helps to have someone who could who could place an R forward playing on the ball, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think also the um, as as we know, we've got that makeshift forward line still with obviously Pav and Walters and that out. But um, you know, and we're just managing to grind those results away. But um, the the work rate of uh, Chris Main has just been unbelievable up there. And just even last week, just his ability to stay in the contest consistently and keep the ball locked in and give our guys a chance to sort of push back and keep it there has just been a um, I think he'd be very close to our best and fairest at the moment. 
He's been oh, doing his role every week very well. Really marshals the attacking half too. You know, whenever you see the camera on him off the ball, he's always got something to say or point. Well, I hesitate to say pointing, but he really does keep him under control down there, particularly with Pav out. Okay, have we got any uh, anything else, boys, before we wrap this up? Anything, any other points you'd like to make? Uh, Seppo, anything else, mate? No, not really for the um, the Adelaide game. I was glad actually Barlow got uh, full votes in the coaches' award. He was very instrumental around the ball in that contested situation. So I'm glad he's finally got the recognition of a full five votes from each coach there. So Absolutely. Paraclete, anything else, mate? Not from me. Okay, excellent. All right, we'll move on from there. Um, Obviously, most of everyone would have watched the game last week. So we'll just have a quick review of the first half of the season. Obviously, um, Park Freer has arguably been the best point it's ever been in its uh, history with uh, seven wins, two losses and a draw. And I think most people would agree that the only one that really got away from us was the uh, Essendon game. Where, But at the same time, we had the, probably the Sydney game was a bonus that we didn't expect. But uh, we're sitting currently in the uh, top four. And um, you know, with the, I think the draw opens up for a bit of opens up for us in the second half of the season, with our, particularly with our home games. So uh, I think we're um, definitely in a good launching platform for the rest of the season, and particularly with our fresh sort of veterans to come back in Pavlich, Sanderlands, and obviously Walters as well, and, and probably even Morabito if you can uh, manage to string a run of games together. What are your thoughts, Seppo, on the first half of the season? Yeah, well, like um, the threads being mentioned this week, the whole six inches and a fist, I think it's very... Uh, um, sort of to, good to look onto those moments and think, you know, how close were we in Essendon and how close we were for Sydney. You know, we were in winnable position. Well, not really the uh, Sydney game there because we had to fight our way back, but those games are definitely winnable. And if you convert those, you know, a close loss and a draw to a win, you know, we, we'll be sitting right up there. And unlucky, unlucky for, um, you know, our two losses have really come off McFarlane not being there, you know, taken out early in the Essendon game and not available for Hawks. So I really think that he could have been the difference in those games because he just adds so much. And we, we could be we could have been undefeated for this whole season and, and put ourselves in, you know, one of our best positions we've ever been in. So I'm happy with the wins and happy we came out as good as we did at the end of last season. Um, without having to you know, take time or wait for players to come back. We sort of just hit the ground running with the, the great start and we've set ourselves up, you know, to be in this position. You know, you look at the fixture going forward and I'm just happy with it. You know, if you set, set at the start of the season, you'd be halfway, you'd be in the top four, you know, clear a half a game over Essendon and the rest of the pack behind. I'd, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And uh, Paraclete, what are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the uh, first half of the season? Oh, you definitely are best start ever. I mean, there wasn't isn't really any precedent for it. The year we finished third and went out in the preliminary was at uh, 06. Well, we won nine in a row to close out the home and away season. So we weren't in this kind of shape at uh, at the halfway point. In any case, I think in those days, well, 15 and 7 was good enough for third place. Well, it certainly wouldn't be now. And uh, our other season where we had a decent start, which I think is similar to this level of performance in terms of wins, uh, what was that, 2010? Uh, we'd finished, what, 14th the year before, so we had a pretty easy draw. Uh, I don't think there were too many wins against top four and top eight sides up to the midpoint of the season, and then we fell away after that with a few injuries. So yeah, we're in excellent shape, particularly considering uh, how many uh, key players we've had out. Although I suppose it, you know, I suppose it does sort of suggest that uh, there are certain types of key players you can afford to miss and more than others. 
and, and uh, those key players you can't afford to, you know, miss, to miss her in the midfield. And luckily, we're not missing anyone from there apart from five and two games. Yeah, and I think also the um, just that, and I think Seppo, you mentioned a little bit earlier, just the consistency of the back six, having those guys there all the time. I mean, Ivo missed the first few games of the season, but it's really come in career best form since then. And I think just that continual development of Spur, but having McFarlane and Dawson back, and I know Dawson has his back um, knockers at times, but he does his job week in, week out. You know what you're getting from him. And I actually think he's, um, I think he's like even his skills around the ground has sort of been in the last few weeks has sort of been a little bit better. And he knows his limitations and that's all you can ask. You just don't want guys playing a role that they're not capable of doing. And, you know, I mean, I suppose on the other side of the thing as well, we probably escaped a game against Richmond a little bit with um, Ballard getting that last-minute goal. But um, as you said, on the whole, I think um, the sort of continual development of the game plan and players' ability to buy in. And I think it was best mentioned the other day when we probably now got 26, 27 guys who we can constantly rotate through there with confidence that they'll come in and do the job. And, I mean, that's not even including guys who haven't even had a chance through for whatever reason, but... You know, our depth is certainly much better than it's ever been in in the time that I've um, been following, which is, you know, from day one, I think it's the um, the best squad we've ever had. Yeah, one thing that's really set ourselves up for a great ladder position is our points against. You know, we're ranked number one in the defence, and our points against is, let's say, 724 against us, and the next closest is um, Sydney with 798. So we do have the tightest and most stringent defence in the the whole league, unfortunately, we've got the uh, I think the twelfth rank best forward line, so we've got some deficiencies forward. But we've just built it on all these wins on a, a solid back six. So I'm I'm just really really happy the way the uh, defence has gone to get us into this position. I think the other thing that was interesting as well, and I think one of the posters put it on the board during the week. If you look at Frio's best ever side, I think it's you know it's, I think it's well it's probably a bit of an indictment on the club, but it's also a great thing that I honestly believe that over half this current side would be in our best ever side, which is, um, you know, which is terrific for us now, but it's, as I said, probably an indictment on the previous 15, 16 years before that. It would be close to half, I reckon, if we sat down with a pen and paper. Yeah, I, I really do. Str- I think, you know, there's obviously been some players, obviously, over time that would definitely make it, like, you know, and you've got your club stalwarts, but as I said, I reckon there will be a, um, quite a few that would... Uh, Definitely a lot of those players were um, pushing on the door for our best ever side. All right, so what we're going to do now is we actually uh, finished our mid-season review. We're actually going to go through the uh, team list and we're just going to sort of separate them out amongst the three of us and just sort of give a bit of a rundown on how we think they're travelling for the year and if anyone else has got a little bit they'd like to add to the uh, player review, um, we'll certainly um, do that as well. So I'm going to start off the uh, bat with number one, uh, Hayden Ballantyne. I think some people would probably... Um, think that Ballantyne's probably hasn't had quite the impact that he's had in previous years in terms of the scoreboard or even with his, uh, you know, maybe even with his um, sort of manic defensive pressure. But I think um, I think the uh, sort of, you know, emergence of Walters has sort of maybe um, given him that little bit more space to um, do his thing. And I think he's um, certainly been an important cog. And last week I thought there was a number of times where he just kept that ball in and, you know, he just does his role week in, week out. And, he, I mean, he does have that little bit of class and I think he's a bit underrated now. Just people tend to look at his niggle rather than uh, his ability to get the ball, which can be frustrating for other supporters. But for us, we love him. Yeah, I suppose he's got one of the best work rates in our side for just getting to the contest. So you definitely need to watch him off 
off camera to know the type of work he does. He's, he's brilliant. It's an unusual combination for a small forward to have class and in manic work rate. Absolutely. All right, Seppo, um, Anthony Morabito. Yeah, well, uh, Morabito's obviously been stuck on that injury list and just working away at his rehab, um, getting close. You know, it's been sitting at three to four weeks now um, for a couple of weeks, so we know he's close, but they're obviously just wrapping up in cotton wool. And, and even when he does get through his rehab, he's... He's got to fight his way into his team, and unfortunately, he's going to be keep competing against the likes of uh, Mishi and some of the other guys that, that have already sort of got close and been named as emergency. So, Morrow's got a bit of work to do, and like I mentioned recently, he's, he's probably going to look for it, might even be towards the end of the year in the last four or five rounds that he it will actually get his chance. So, I just hope they, they take it steady. It'd be great to see him sooner, only because of the fact I just don't want to risk. You know, see him go out and not get his chance. But if if it takes till you know round twenty or nineteen, so be it. Because I just uh, I do want to see him get an AFL rebirth this year. With you know, you don't want to see him play out the waffle. I just want him to get a chance this year, or be it a sub, or, or just to get get into the game. So maybe round nineteen, round twenty for sub. You can bookmark it. Yeah. I, I think he does need those couple of weeks in the waffle and get his confidence back and. Uh, yeah, as I said, I think everyone's looking forward to seeing his ability. I mean, we do hear a lot about sort of Menzel and, uh, you know, from Geelong as well, who's sort of suffered the same sort of injuries. And, you know, just hope you see both of them back on the park as soon as possible. I mean, player of that, his ability, looking at that highlights package the other day, you know, you just, you forget how good he is out there. And, I mean, he just um, just adds that extra bit of class and pace across the um, across that wing there for sure. Yeah, he tore it up when he went back to the waffle after his second recon. So you know he's capable of it when he gets back. Yeah, absolutely. Paraclete, Zach Dawson, number three. Oh, I'm a big Dawson fan. <clears throat> I'm like, you know, the, the kick-ahead brigade. Uh, I, I think he's close to the close to what the premier third man up in the comp. I'd take him over anyone like uh, Maxwell. Probably Gibson's probably the only player I'd have in front of him for that sort of thing. And he does his job. And also we've seen how much effort he gives, effective effort, he gives when you throw him onto the ball or even forward. As long as he's not kicking for goal. Yeah, he's done a right on in, in the ruck and even going forward and he knows when to go. It's, he, he knows when it's his turn and when, when to run. Yeah, and I think having those extra – and I don't think we can underestimate his um, – you know, having those extra few years in Ross Lyon's system, just down the back there getting all those guys in the right place. Just mm-hmm. it, It's literally like having another sort of assistant out there initially just because he's obviously had such a back, you know, background uh, – knowledge of Ross Lyon's system when he was at St Kilda. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that probably helps those guys with gel. And, and as long as he knows his limitations and places them, I think, yeah, I really think he, his name's just about the one of the first picked every week on the uh, whiteboard in there. Lovely. All right, moving on to number four, Jaden Pitt. Obviously, a um, bit of a devastating start to the year for Pitt with his, um, obviously, heart condition. And hopefully we wish him all the best in a, you know, not only just a recovery and hopefully gets to back to playing footy, but just to normal health as well. I mean, you don't want to see anyone having that uh, sort of uh, illness. Um, I thought he did show some good parts last year um, at Waffle. He was sort of developing. Um, I think, you know, even with these young kids getting drafted now, particularly if you're a midfield, if you don't show something in the first year or two, they tend to jump on pretty quickly. Uh, I still think he's a little way off in getting in our best 22, but um, at the moment that's far from his... Uh, thoughts and obviously the thoughts of his family. So I said we can just hope that he has a speedy recovery. Yeah, just wish him good health. All right, number five is uh, Gaddick Ibbotson, who's um, 
We just did a bit of investigating. He's actually averaging the second best time on ground behind Michael Johnson. So he's actually going at 97.2%. So when he goes out there, he's, he's, he's out there and he's doing a great job. And the way he's just mopping up at the back with his intercept marks and hitting the contesters become one of the what we wanted him to be last year with all his critics criticising the way he was a bit soft and never went in hard, but he, he's doing that this year and doing a great job of it. And, you know, he's even a, a real smoky for an all-Australian halfback. If he just continues the way he's going, he's got a bit of attention in the media and a couple of guys pumping him up. So I just hope he can continue to perform and put his name right out there. They have a, opposition sides have a problem against female because we have so many players in the back line who can rotate into the plus one position. I mean, so if you go to tag, defensively tag Johnson, we'll, he'll just switch to playing man-on-man man and Ibbotson will move into the plus one. So um, it's a really useful feature. I think that's the um, probably been the key improvement in Ibbotson's game. I think he used to have that sort of bit of deer in the headlights type thing and he had to make a quick decision under pressure where he, now he seems to be much more comfortable in his role doing that. I mean, you certainly can't, um, and I think he's um, just his. I think his toughness has improved as well. Like last week, he backed into a, you know, a couple of packs, and I, I think two or three years ago we wouldn't have seen him do that. And uh, you know, I say, you know, full power to him. I think it's terrific that he's gone back, and um, obviously it shows the power sort of Ross Lyon has in, with his players that they can go back and then come back better players. He's made great progress. All right, Paraclete, number six. Dylan Pierce, or Daniel Pierce, I should say. Dylan Pierce, what am I talking about? <laughs> Look, I've been, um, he's been copying a bit of stick on the, on the forums you know, up until a week or two ago, but I've been quite unhappy with his progress. And just watching on telly, I, I kind of had the feeling that his problem was not really understanding his game plan and not quite comfortable with his role. So he wasn't sure you know, when to hit a contest or when to, you know, when to run past it to receive. Uh, so he was often getting sucked into contests and he was perhaps wasn't meant to be getting sucked into, but now he's just really looking comfortable and uh, played some excellent footy over the last couple of weeks. A couple of the long goals that he's kicked by coming on a long back from the pack have been powdering motion. Yeah, he's happy with that pickup. Yeah, and I think I think that's a really good point. I think um, you know, last year we saw a lot of the Frio players take that half season to get adapted to the game plan and that sort of thing. And I think um, you know, I think Pierce still occasionally does try to do a little bit too much with the ball, um, you know, but, you know, he turns himself into trouble sometimes the wrong way. But I think he's um, certainly sort of getting better and better each week. And, uh, you know, his ability to sort of get inside and you go outside as well, I think he'll just get better and better as the season goes. Number seven, Mr. Fife. Yeah, so I've got Nathan Fife. I think um, obviously it's terrific to see him back after his shoulder injury last year. And I think come towards, as we go further and further in the year, I think possibly that um, suspension he got on the, um, you know, as soft as it was, I think it might actually be a benefit to uh, to, to Fife himself. He's not going to have any of this Brownlow talk. There's no pressure. You know, you don't hear anything now about it. Like where in the first four or five rounds, it was all the talk about, you know, Brownlow fancy, you know, that sort of stuff where now he can just go out and concentrate on playing footy. And, you know, last week we just saw him back to his best, you know, a couple of those clearances in the last quarter. And I think it just you can just see he's getting more and more confidence in his marking ability. And, uh, you know, he's just he's just one of those um, guns of the competition, really. He was my BOG in front of Barlow, actually, the Adelaide game. Let's hope he doesn't do a McKernan with the brown, mate. 
He's getting back to the best of what he knows. All right. Well, uh, after Fife is number eight, Mr. Subin, who at the start of the year, I didn't actually think was going to be best 22, but um, he's got in there. He's played every single game. He, you know, he trained the house down at the start of the season. You can see he's been selected and played every game, albeit some of it on the, with the subs vest, but he, he's kicked eight goals. He's ventured forward. He's, he's just done really, really well and exceeded my expectations of him this year. So, um, He's Subin's done really well. And I think the important thing with Subin is that he's actually a bit of a goal-kicking midfielder as well. He does have that ability to get forward and actually kick a few goals, particularly from clearances and stoppage work. And we don't have a lot of guys who are, like, super at that. But he, I don't know, every game this year he seems to bob up for a goal, You're in particularly one or two, and um, really at important times as well. Even last week he managed to get one in a contested situation. That's it. All right, Paraclete, Matt DeBoer, number nine. Matty DeBoer. I think he's been doing his job this season quite effectively. I mean, he's the number two tagger, so it's like Crowley can't hold someone, which hasn't really happened that much this season. He's the man that goes to him. I think he's swipped. I think he swapped onto Stanton in the SNED game and, and shut him down. But, um, yeah, he's been playing as a defensive forward, I believe, picking up to tagging the main runner off the back line of the opposition, doing it really effectively. Uh, Perhaps nice if he could you know, pick up a few more, make himself a bit more dangerous peeling off, but otherwise I think he's been excellent. And I think that's the thing with him is, as you said, he does want, he's very unheralded. In, and, you know, and a lot of the times when you watch, unless you watch the game on the replay, you actually don't realise how many one percenters and small things he does against those, um, you know, particularly against their most damaging half-back player. I mean, when you tend to look at the ball, you don't see it. And even the buffeting in the contests or in the stoppages, he just puts his body on the line every week. All right, number 10, Molika Walters. Uh, obviously, you know, came in half, about round 16 last year and uh, showed glimpses of what he was, of his potential. And then uh, this year just continued on. And, uh, you know, up until he got injured a couple of weeks ago, was just sort of getting plaudits all over the league, which was well deserved. And uh, fantastic that he's obviously signed on for another three years. And, um, yeah, as I said, you, I mean, you can't uh, speak highly enough of his ability to sort of take what he uh, copped on the chin and, uh, came back a much better player and person by the sound of it as well. Hopefully we get him back soon after the bye. And by all accounts, all right. he should be back by then anyway, I think. So it'd be terrific. He should be, should be right to go. Now, number 11, Tommy Sheridan. He's uh, been down at Peel all year, hasn't made his uh, call up yet. He's been averaging 19 disposals. I haven't had the opportunity to, to watch too many Peel games, obviously being in Melbourne, but um, I think he's gone, gone all right about it. Like, obviously he's... He's, he's close because he's been named as emergency a couple of times on our selection sheet, but obviously hasn't earned his chance, but he'll get there. He's, he's that type of player that's you know, very vanilla and um, just that sort of hardworking midfielder. And he probably have to really, really have the opportunity um, through, you know, like lack of misfortune with others being available. You know, he will get his chance at some day, but um, you just hope he, he does get a chance before the end of the year just to get out there. I get the feeling that Lyon likes him. He, I've seen him play once or twice. He's, he's, he's good size. His skills are pretty good, but he's defensively accountable. And Lyon loves it. Yeah, and I think he's all, and I've seen him play a number of times, and his ability to run forward and back and between the 50s is very impressive for someone his age. And I think he's going to sort of um, continue to develop. And I think over time he'll uh, just, he will get his chance at some point, but he is, um, I think he's a class player. And I know that. Uh, 
a lot of clubs, you know, particularly the Eastern State clubs, are quite interested in his progress. And uh, I think he'll, uh, when he gets his chance, I think he'll take it with both hands. So, and Paraclete number uh, twelve, Jonathan Griffin, devastating knee injury for, for Griffin. Uh, prior to his knee injury, he'd been either well winning the ruck or at least competing against um, some of the best rucks in the competition, but uh, <clears throat> quite often beating them in the round the ground work. And it's a tragedy for him that he's gone down with a knee, which um, could be awkward for him given that I think he's 28 next year, so not only young, but really super impressive. I was probably one of the people thinking that he was surplus to requirements a year or two ago, but such a luxury to have someone that's uh, close to a number one ruck at half the team in the comp sitting behind Sandlands. We just hope he can get back to uh, full training at the start of this pre-season. Yeah, I mean, we just hope, yeah, as you said, just have a speedy recovery and... Uh... You know, as I said, I think he'll be a critical um, cog in our future still, even with, uh, you know, with Sandlin's getting probably closer towards the end. Um, I think, you know, you can see Griffin and uh, Clark leading our ruck, in, you know, for the next few years quite comfortably. Mm, I think he'll stay. Um, number 13, Tendai Mazungu. I think he's, uh, I think, he, you know, he's had a bit of a probably up and down year by his standards. Um, he, so, I mean, you can't, you can't sort of fault his toughness at the ball. Um I think his skills has let him down a little bit at times. Um, I've, you know, when I watched him at Perth a few, you know, when he just the year before he got drafted, he showed really good skills on left and right, on his left and right foot. And you know, sometimes he just doesn't seem to translate it to the AFL level. And I think if Morabito does get back, his spot's probably going to be the one most in danger of being lost. Um, but as I said, I mean, hopefully, sort of he got that sort of bit of a rocket last week and nearly got dropped and came back and played a great game. So, you know, I th- but I think he's still probably got work to do if he wants to keep that spot by the end of the year with the players we've got coming back. Mm. I think his his lifespan is pretty limited. I mean, I like him as a player, but I think um, one of our younger players with, the, with that gut-running ability is going to go past him sometime in the next 12 months. That's it. All right, number 14 is Josh Simpson, another one that I haven't had the chance to see, obviously, playing in the waffle, but I've heard from all reports he's a, he's a smooth mover, knows how to uh, or know where to run once he's got the ball in hand. So obviously there's a bit of work to do on his defensive side, but let's just hope he, he might even, might not see him this year, might might get a chance later in the season through a sub. But I'd just love to see him um, to be able to show what he can do at AFL level. So hopefully he does get his chance. And I have seen a couple of his three-hour games and, yeah, he's a Rolls Royce. Yeah, I think he, um, I think he's sort of getting better and better. Like I watched him a lot last year at Colts level, and um, you know he shows glimpses of ability and I think um, and talent. And uh, but you know, as I said, when watching the Waffle Colts Grand Final, when he went into the middle in that last game, he um, just showed what his ability was, and um, he's got a beautiful kick on him outside fifty as well. So he has got that ability to finish, and uh, you can definitely see over time. You know, um, you know if Pierce or Hill do get injured or miss games, you can definitely see him coming in and uh, getting a go there for sure. All right, Paraclete, 15, Ryan Crowley. Oh, look, he's top tagger in the comp. Need we say any more? Yeah. <laughs> That's his job. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's um, shown like this year, I mean, his ability down forward like as much as he has in the past and maybe he's more concentrated on his role because in the past, past, past few years, he's sort of taken his players down there. But... Then again, he is also playing on taller players. Where in the past he had those smaller guys on, he was tagging, and sort of that when they when he went forward, he was able to take that overhead mark. Where now he's going up against guys like Pendlebury, who and they're all that one ninety centimeters as well, which is close to him. So he probably doesn't have that same advantage. 
that he did in the past. I suppose he's only really been beaten once this year with um, that Sydney game, but other than that, he's really held his opponent accountable. Yeah, I mean, he, he said he did his job week in, week out. Uh, 16, David Mundy, um, you know, you know, I mean, we hear Brereton all the time sort of talk about his foot skills and his ability to hit targets. And, I mean, he's definitely the classiest user of the ball, I think, in our midfield. And uh, even though he sort of tends to have that laconic style, he rarely gets caught either. And uh, he just seems to have that ability just to have put that extra gear in when he needs to, um, which can be, you know, in the past quite frustrating when you think, why don't you do that all the time? But, as you said, his ability just to hit contests and clearance work. And I think his tackling has been much better this year as well, which has been a sort of um, highlight of his game. But um, no, I, th- I think he's still our best user of the ball by f- foot by far in our midfield. All right. Uh, 17, Seppo, Hayden Crazier. Yeah, Crazier. Well, he's played five games this year and he's he's kicked eight goals. So he's had a good return from when he's had his chance. Um, he's been solid without being, you know, the worst on ground. Um, he's a lovely kick for goals. I don't know what his stats was, but I know for a while he was, he was kicking straight. He's missed a couple now, but um, I just hope he... He um, shows us a bit of that X factor whenever he does get his chance. Unfortunately, he might be in and out of the side, but um, you know, that's a good thing. He keep these other guys honest and come in and play his role when he does. So good on him. Okay, Paraclete, 18, Luke McFarlane. Oh, McFarlane's had an excellent season and uh, still the premier key position defender in the comp for mine. Uh, almost evergreen doesn't seem to have lost anything at all. Excellent performances again this year. Yet to be beaten, I think. Yeah, I think he and it's just the ability to marshal the guys. He reads the play very well and he uses the ball exceptionally well across half back as well. And um as I said he's just a complete player at the moment, which is sensational. Um I've got number nineteen, Alex Forster. Um Alex has obviously um had come off a pretty uh, bad year with injury last year and just starting to sort of make his league debut with uh Peel. And uh I think he's shown some good signs down there. I mean, he's not a huge back by any stretch. He's probably only just tipping 190, 191. Um, so he's not that real key back that we're talking about. But I think um, but he has got an ability to play above his size. And I think uh, I think he'll be a good player for the club. He probably needs another year, I think. Um, I, don't, I couldn't see him getting too much action this year. But I think um, over the next year or so, I think he'll um, continue to develop. And uh, he'll certainly get a go, I think, with uh, Fremantle at some point in the future. There's no game next week. We'll look at the other half of the squad next week with Seppo and Paraclete. But we'll move on now to general discussion. Obviously, there was some talk this week. You know, early on, a couple of weeks ago, we thought Pav might be back for the Lions game, but it seems like he'll uh, miss another week. Um, and obviously, we want to make sure he's cherry right before coming back and there may be even a chance he might play for East Fremantle, which I'm um, not even sure if he knows where East Fremantle Oval is. So it could be interesting to see if he uh, does... Uh, get a game in the waffle before we're coming back. Well, no, he would never played for him, would he? Because you might have played one or two waffle games in, in 2000, but it would, it would have been for Souths, wouldn't it? It's been that long. I don't. I honestly can't remember if he has played any waffle games. It's, uh, yeah, he would have done because, remember, he debuted about round six or seven, so he must have been playing waffle before that. Probably the early days for Souths before uh, was East if it that was his allotted waffle side. Um, what's your opinion on him actually playing Waffle? Do you think he really needs it or would he do it for foot um, fitness? I think it'll depend on who we're playing. I mean, he, you know, whether you like it or not. I mean, there may be some games where he could probably play a half or come in as a sub, that sort of thing. So it'd be interesting to see how they, um, the club goes about 
managing yeah. him because obviously we want to make sure that he's um, going to be 100% when we're coming back. So whether I don't know if he'll necessarily get that much value in the waffle because, you know, he won't know the players at all, how to lead, that sort of stuff, you know, and whether they, because Pav's down there, whether they probably um, tend to go more at him and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing could be debatable as well. I think it, it depends on what to East Rio. I think it depends on what game he thinks he can get back for. If he thinks he can play um, against North Melbourne, then it's a home game. You might as well just slide him in. But if it's going to be a, a bigger away game, you don't want to take him in and they're done. So they might have him playing Waffle in North Melbourne week to lead into that away game. But if it's a home game, I think he'll just come straight in. Yeah. The other thing we saw from the club this week was the uh, opportunity to get your photo on the uh, team jumper, which is a bit of a novel idea. I suppose it's another way to get a, you know, a few dollars out of... Uh, the supporters while it's there, but I mean, at least it's a bit of a keepsake for um, you can hang on your wall with your photo on it, particularly you can choose a number if you're quick enough. So I think it was $295, which is not outrageous compared to other sort of memorabilia we've seen over time. It's a novel idea and it's sort of out of the box. It's not something I've never seen another AFL club do. I don't know if they've done it internationally before, but it's um, a great idea and sort of gives you that personalised memorabilia. I can see a lot of obviously people taking that up. I'll be interested to know by the time they get around to wearing those jumpers of a port, what the take-up was like or if they've had to uh, fill in any of the faces with uh, some randoms. <laughs> Yeah, I think they'll, I mean, I think they'll get enough, you know, with Christmas coming up, you know, and, you know, there'll be so, so, certainly someone out, enough people out there, I think, to uh, get on board. Um, you know, if you're looking to buy a present or something, you know, something different, that's for sure. So um, so just before we finish up, um, Seppo, I understand you've got some news for us, mate. Yeah, I've got a couple of things you'll probably see on the board tonight. I've got an announcement for any of our Melbourne-based Freo supporters. Um, we're doing a grudge match for our Fitzroy Dockers and East Coast Eagles. Um, just a little social game of football leading up to the Derby we, um, over here for round 16. So if you're keen for a bit of a kick of a footy and want to done a um, purple jumper, um, get in contact with myself or Smoking Gun on the forum. Um, or even if you know someone living in Melbourne that uh, wants to get around other um, some of the guys over here and go to the pub after the game to watch the the footy, it's um, a really good day. Um, and the other thing is I'll be running a competition um, on our board to for someone to come up with the banner slogan for our Carlton game in Melbourne in round, what have we got for Carlton? Round number 19 on the 3rd of August. So I'm going to put it out there. Obviously, it's going to follow some guidelines set by the AFL, but um, you guys have got the opportunity to come up with the banner message to appear for that game. So keep an eye out for that thread. I don't think it'll be That's like the. Uh, I was going to say I don't think it'll be like the uh, banner we saw in one of Fitzroy's last games that we saw on the uh, no. Forty Forums a few weeks it's ago. It's all, all PC and within the guidelines, but um, yeah, just keep an eye out. Fitzroy's last game. It was very depressing. Yeah, I thought the club did a good job actually sending them off. But yeah, as I said, it's depressing seeing any football club, whether AFL level or country footy or anywhere really, um, when they do fold. But uh, that's all we've got time for this week. So I'd like to thank uh, Paraclete for coming along. And uh, obviously he'll be joining us next week to look at the second half of the uh, Frio squad. So thanks for joining us today, Paraclete. Thanks, guys. I had a great time. And uh, no Seppo, good to see you again, mate. And uh, obviously we'll catch you again next week. Enjoy your bye week. Yeah. Enjoy the uh, bye week, fellas, and uh, also to all the uh, Frio supporters who managed to get out on the weekend and have a relaxing time knowing that uh, we're uh, currently sitting in the top four with better things to come. Thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, speak to you next week. Bye. (laughs) 